Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bumper edition of A Wise Men's Theatre tonight as we have a review and a preview to do, just like old times. Chelsea and Man City, the two best teams in the country, well, in my opinion, they're the point of discussion, the neat. To help us to talk about those games, Damien Spellman from the Press Association. Glad to have you back on, Damien. Welcome, nice to be here. Chris Thompson is now the editor of A Love Supreme. How's that working out? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same, Yeah, <laughs> except I do more work and the pay scale is the same, so it's fine, really, just Martin does less work. And mm. Yeah, ideal game, <laughs> like really. It. Isn't yeah, yeah. It's, it's looks nice a little bit better on your CV, though, doesn't it? It does, yeah. We're <laughs> we're in asso- association with a love supreme, of course, straight into this night because we've got loads to get through. Gareth, I thought when I was watching the game, it was similar to some of those Man City wins mm-hmm. we've had in recent years. Now you articulate those pretty well, so I'm going to well, let you. I'm going to let you take over. Really? Yeah. Well, not take over, but answer the first question. Yeah. Or... <laughs> so what is the question? <laughs> well, it's not really a question. Just talk about the game. And do you, do you agree? First of all, it was like those Man City games. Yeah, the way um, we defended. Explain how we defended successfully, because I think you do that very well. Oh, thanks very much. I, I, I feel self-conscious <laughs> now. Um, yeah. So it's just that it's not really blanket defence, is it? But it's it's just being solid and defending the 18 yard box and knowing when to press the ball at the right times. Um, I thought against Chelsea actually we didn't didn't press pr- at all really but I don't think you can um, because if you start pressing the ball even in those tight areas that's when you get the pockets of space for the those little passes open up um, and I didn't think they really pressed it at all they just tracked the runners and sort of hoped that Chelsea would run out of ideas and I mean the thing about these sorts of teams and Chelsea especially is that you can't allow any space in that gap between the defence and the midfield because if if you get people like William and Oscar and Hazard drifting into that gap and picking the ball up in space, you're in serious trouble then. And that's why you know being so compressed in that area was important. And I thought first twenty minutes they didn't really get out as well as they'd like. Probably you know did try and hold the ball, but I don't think anyone could get out of support because Chelsea were so exceptional in that mm. first twenty twenty five minutes, and you couldn't risk that. You just had to defend for your life. Try and take the sting out of the game, and then hopefully get back into it. And that's what that's what Sunderland did. So it was pretty much well. You could see afterwards how happy Poirier was. He was practically bouncing off the walls from a nil-nil draw, and they'd set up, and that's what they'd got. And he was he was absolutely over the moon. I think he was really proud as well. First twenty minutes, Gareth just mentioned there, Damien. I think that's important because as positive as the result was, and as happy as we are with the performance, first twenty minutes, Chelsea looked great, didn't it? And then it was important that we managed to just soak some of that pressure up for the first twenty minutes. Absolutely, but I mean, just going on from what Gareth said, I thought what they did very well was didn't let Chelsea in behind them, which is where the most in. I think Ivanovic got in once, and uh, Pantelimon made a great save. But um, 
Yeah, the, the, the gist was so compact. And as you say, if, if, if the likes of Hazard and Oscar can get those little passes going and get him behind you, then they're dangerous. But they're not slinging balls into the box. So although Sunderland sat deep and invited pressure, they were never being bombarded. Um, I just thought it was tactically very very astute by Poyet and obviously carried out well by the players. Chris, did you look at the team sheet at Chelsea and worry beforehand? How, how far into the game were you sort of looking at it thinking, right, actually I think we might be all right here? 20 minutes for me as, I, as I've just said I, I kind of sensed that it was one of those Man City performances uh, potentially on the on the cards Yeah I mean going into the game I did anticipate us conceding an early goal because that would be typical and it's 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 just typical Chelsea to kind of kill you off early in the game you know what I mean and, and just and build upon that as as they did in the Champions League which was a frighteningly good performance I suppose you could describe it wasn't it as. great preparation, preparation for our nerves was it no it's not 5-0 <laughs> in the Champions League you know what I mean but uh, yeah I mean we stuck it out and we and we're, we took the, the worst patches and we and we're, and we're battled back and, and we got the nil-nil and it's I was just saying before we went on air how this time last week you you were talking about a nil nil kind of shrugging your shoulders a little bit but now it's like nil nil this is mm. fantastic you know the best nil nil ever yeah <laughs> very different nil nils weren't they ok well we can hear from Gus Poyet now on the Chelsea game well I think uh, last week we had the feeling that it was nothing in the game and if us we had that belief to go and win it in another day you should today was the opposite way around it was a way of making it difficult to Chelsea I'm waiting for your chances, and we waited very well because if John scored at the end or Josie scored at the end, I mean, we're still like, you know, running around the pitch. But uh, we need to be pleased, we need to be realistic, and we need to know that we've done something special. You know, for the first time this season, Chelsea didn't score, which is uh, incredible. I think that we, we plan the game to play against a top team. Now, um, being on the other side, it's quite easy, you know. I mean, you won't go and play for a draw if you are Chelsea away at Sunderland advice. I, I can promise you the idea was to be solid to make it difficult to wait for your chances to break to take an opportunity a mistake a decision from the referee and that would change the game one way or the other but be in the game that was the message today let's be in the game all the time let's not throw the game away because of one action and I think in those times we were spoken we can do the law, we can talk, we can watch videos, we can do tactical sessions, we can defend in training, we can, you know, whatever you want to do. But then, we couldn't start to the 3 o'clock, okay, today we're 5.30, but that way you need to show people that you can do it. And uh, that was uh, a, a good example of how you, you have to defend against a top team uh, as a team, you know, no individuals. A team defending for their life, and that way we got the point. Last time... Gus was sort of that enthusiastic about how well we'll defend him. It was just before the Southampton game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Less, less said about that, the better. Um, what we don't normally do on here is, is go through the whole team, I think, and, and talk about each player individually. But I, I feel like it would be harsh if we didn't do that, maybe, because everybody played mm. so well. So I think we should do that. Does that sound all right to people? Well, if we don't, then... You know, there might not be a program, so I think well, you know, if you think though, if you think of some of the um, th no, because we don't always mention every player, we we, we talk about different um, you know, incidents in the game and stuff, and, and maybe the odd player, but and mm. we, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. But just gauging off Twitter, people are like, Can you talk about this player? Make sure you mention this player, make sure you mention this player. So I just thought, Yeah, should we talk about everybody? Should we, <laughs> start, should we start with the goalkeeper? Does anybody want to take that? 
Yeah, uh, I'll take that. Go on. Um, I haven't actually I, I seen. I knew I could rely on you. Yeah, this. well, I've I've been quite critical of Pantelimon. I think just looking at him, he's a bit of a joke. You know, <laughs> human <laughs> beings aren't meant to be that tall for a start. You know what I mean? But you know, he's came in. He's he's been brilliant. I can't I can't really fault him. Um, I'm not sure if he had that one covered when they hit the post. Uh, I haven't seen much of the day. He got fingertips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So so he covered that. So you can't really fault his performance. I thought there was a bit of a dodgy moment when a when a cross came in. And he tipped it out for a corner, but I think he was just kind of playing it safe. There was there was, there was no real threat, but I don't think you could see behind him. But apart from that, solid, and he has been. Interesting, Damien. We're going to talk to David Mooney later from Man City. We, we got we got bad reviews of him, didn't we, Gareth? From mm. talking to, to Man City fans about him, and then uh, he played in that League Cup game at home at Stoke, and I think both goals were possibly his fault. Definitely one, mm. possibly two. And I was a little bit concerned, but he's, he's look—you know—he hasn't looked like that keeper at all. He's looked—he's looked quite good since he's been in from the start, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You in couldn't, the league, you couldn't fault him really. I think the problem is as well when when you're a, you know a number two goalkeeper, although he's not come to be number two, you're just not getting any football at all. You're not playing reserve team football or anything. And I think you, you could be quite rusty coming in, but and and that affects confidence, I think. But he's come in. He's you know he's he's looked commanding. I mean he is huge, as as Chris says. He's, he should command his box. He's, he's been a, he looked a good shot stopper as well. Um, Every time he comes for that ball, you feel he's going to get it done. Yeah, you? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he—I mean, he—he he should be two feet yeah. above everyone else, yeah. and he—and he is. But he—but he catches it and yeah. hangs on to it. Most and, importantly, and to be fair, there was a save he made mm. where he got down really quick as well, mm. and mm-hmm. that was surprising and impressive because I didn't think you know it was it was possible. But there you go. I thought the back five generally looked solid, Gareth. And what I would ask is. If, I mentioned to you off air earlier on. Is this the other side of the coin in not having the attacking fullbacks players? Because I, I keep saying I think we're missing Billy Jones and Van Arnold going forward. They're very dynamic as fullbacks, and it gives us something extra as an attacking force. However, going the other way defensively, you know, I would I would possibly suggest Virginie and Riviera a better defenders. So, it's sort of which way you look at it, isn't it? Um, probably, but maybe there's, you know, they they've they've been in the side as a result of. The injuries and first few games of the season, or sort of midway into the season, we did have a few injuries at the back, and it was players were coming in and going out um, quite regularly. So maybe it's just getting that settled. Obviously, Manoni went out of the side, um, and then Pantillimon's come in. So maybe it's just getting that settled, settled back line. And I mean, and, I mean and cutting out the silly mistakes. Three of the back four played together under Poyet last season when we went on that run as well. Anyway, yeah, which, which is relevant. Oh, of course mm. it is. I mean, I think Poyet talked before about how he likes to have the the players like to have the genie in the team. Um, for whatever reason that might be, um, maybe it's because there's nobody else, or maybe, and that's the best option that they've got, or maybe they they like him in the team because they like him in the team, and you know he he justified that with a, a an excellent performance, and Revier on the other side who. He deserves a special mention, doesn't Definitely. he? Definitely. Because it, it was one yeah. of those, when he came in and we were saying, OK, his pedigree is very good. On paper, this should be a good signing, but then you know, there's always that niggling doubt in the back of your mind, thinking, well, why hasn't anybody... So, so uh, yeah, why hasn't he been sorted out with the club? So I think it's... Com- I mean, transfers are complicated, aren't they? And there might be many reasons why he wasn't picked up by a certain type of club. I mean, is a, a Champions League-level club or a top club aren't going to require... Uh, a 35-year-old right-back who is out of contract in November unless they are absolutely desperate, are they? I mean, that, I think that's the that's the reality of the situation, that cl- club top clubs but can afford... But just nobody yeah, but was around. Yeah, top clubs can afford to to strengthen the ranks and the windows 
to the to the level where they're covered, Sunderland tend not to. So that, that there's reasons why he might not have been picked up by clubs more of his standard or more clubs that would appeal to him. Maybe Sunderland are the only club that offered him the deal that he wanted, or maybe he fancied playing in England because he's never played in England before. Stuff like that. And he was talking today about how he's enjoyed it and how he's, you know, it's always nice to see someone they've come over, moved to the area. They're they're enjoying it. Um, I don't know footballers get you know pelters for being you know money grabbers and you know after their own career like look after themselves to the extent where they'll do one over on anyone but I mean Revier's 35 he's probably just enjoying the twilight of his career and he was saying he'd be open to a an extension a contract extension um, and if he continues on the way he has been then I, don't, I see no reason why when we've over the years where we've had so many problems um, in those positions, I mean, age is just a number, isn't it? And if if he plays, it's certainly well someone that. you'd like around your squad just exactly. to put in. Isn't I mean, it? we saw. I mean, going back, I mean, look at Zenden and Malbrank, and I know Malbrank wasn't an older player, but he was an experienced player, and he went and Zenden, who was very important in the squad, went, and and we struggled as a result of them leaving. Um, you know, maybe he could have that sort of influence around the dressing room and around the club. Okay, Damien, you cover Ireland, so you see John O'Shea play even more than I do. Mm. Uh, he's starting to play like the player I thought we signed now. I've been quite yeah. critical of John. Uh, I think we know his limitations, slow on the turn, but he seems to have found a way to sort of get the best out of his ability at the minute, and I think this is far and away the best he's ever played for us. Yeah, I mean, the thing is about John O'Shea, he's a defender. He likes defending, and, you know, I think Gus said on, on, on Saturday, you know, not many people like to defend, but what John does, and he played alongside Richard Dunn for years, who was probably in the in the same mould, you know, not the most mobile, but just loves defending, loves getting his body in the way. I think what John O'Shea does, you know, is something that a lot of very different type of player, Rio Ferdinand, did. His positional sense was so good that he didn't have to use his pace. Now, Rio Ferdinand had pace, and John perhaps hasn't particularly. But I think when he's confident and he, he knows... You know where to position himself on the pitch to to protect against any burst of speed. I think where you would be worried was if if you get a nippy little lad in down the sides of himself and and, and Wes Brown because they're not going to turn and sprint after somebody. That's when he gets caught out. But I think positionally, I, I think he's been very very sharp in uh, in the last few months. And uh, you know, I mean, you know, the, the whole island thing as well helps. He wins his hundredth cap. He scores a, a late equaliser in Germany. That's got to give you confidence. And even at the age of thirty three, thirty four, you need confidence. Look at um, look at your man Van Persie, who's you know, he was a brilliant player, but has had a dodgy couple of weeks. Just confidence is a massive, massive thing, even for experienced players. Certainly is. Moving on to the midfield, Chris and Lee Catamano was playing out of his skin anyway. But I think Liam Bridcutt's performance against Everton, which was superb to be fair, has that just put, nudged him a little further because he sort of upped it even more, didn't he? I don't think his, his position in the squad was ever really in threat. It wasn't, no, honest. but you, you, that having that healthy competition <coughs> can only help. Oh, definitely, but I mean, you know, as I was saying, we'll keep going back to things we, we see off air. I think we see the best things off air, to be honest, but I was just <laughs> saying, like, I came out of the match and I didn't think Lee Catamall had a particularly better game than he usually does that was a very typical Lee Catamore performance and if it just so happens possibly the standard of opposition is greater so. it's just it's just the fact that we're on Sky mm, but he's playing against he's doing it against better oh players. yeah yeah well yeah I suppose I suppose you could show him off a bit better against better players because it's mm. just like a, a higher test and he's he's rose to the occasion and now he's getting national plaudits which is great as long as nobody buys him <laughs> in January yeah, it's always that, isn't it? <laughs> the, the key battle in the game 
for long periods was Matic versus Catamore, wasn't it? That was the <laughs> he, he was their you know starting point really, and you know Catamore was the stopper for us, and he he won. Catamore won the battle, yeah. and Matic is a fantastic player. So, and then you know for him to I know he'd, he'd won the award, but to pick that up last night and you know out on the back of that performance just it's appropriate I mean we've said we've talked about Catamore loads of times on here and he has his detractors and you know that everyone's you know some people might say that you know you like Lee Catamore because he's like a Kevin Ball type player or he's like this type of player who likes to tackle and all that and gets stuck in and that's the kind of player Sunderland um, Sunderland supporters enjoy but I disagree I think like, I enjoy watching Lee Catamore for for many reasons and it's it's not just his determination his desire I mean that is a great element is that his desire because he wants the, the desire to play for Sunderland in him is as strong as anyone you'll ever see and on top of that he, he has got quality he has a technically good player he can pass the ball he saw at times when he was getting running the ball out of tight spaces at the weekend which he doesn't do nearly enough because of the position he's in but he carries the ball pretty well when he gets going he can glide past people no problem when he's got a bit of space and he was doing that so yeah it was a like you say he's, he is generally very good but maybe that he's getting a bit of plaudits in the, in the national media now and everyone's maybe realising hmm he is actually quite yeah. a good player and I sorry carry on I suppose it's more of an accomplishment to keep Chelsea out than keep mm. Burnley out isn't it really and yeah. I also think as well that a lot of people tend to focus on Catamore's flaws as a footballer rather than the positive elements he brings to his side and I think it's because of the kind of player he is if you look at somebody like a Ben Arthur type of player you know who has got lots of negative elements to his game but because he's a flair player people get excited by him so they want to see him in the team and they think you know he's the person to build a team around same with like Sessegnon maybe who's, you know who when, when he was at Sunderland um, but but you know Catamore's flaws are always talked about ahead of his ahead of his qualities because he's because he's not a flair player maybe I don't know but people talk about deficiencies in the Sutherland squad Damien and you know Gus has said himself you know the squad has limitations that's why we're playing in a certain way at the moment you know make yourself hard to beat first however that is one position that we have covered isn't it because I've just mentioned Bridcut's performance against Everton there that can't be ignored that's one position that defensive midfield role and I mean Rodwell you could even argue a good player there so yeah, yeah. at least we have one position well and truly covered anyway yeah yeah. no no, I would agree I mean when Bridcut came in and made his debut in the, in the derby it was magnificent and then, it, then he had a bit of a dip didn't he but certainly the, the last game he played he played very well and I think you're right that positive competition can, can only help uh, when you've got two two players very capable of playing in there, battling it out for a for position, and that, that must increase standards definitely. Did you vote for Lee? Uh, funnily enough, I didn't actually. Ooh. And do you know what? I shall, we start, shall we start booing? He, he, <laughs> he, he was he was in my three. He was in my three. I think I've just got to say, I think the most impressive thing about him at the weekend and, and, and in recent weeks is the discipline. And I don't just mean the yellow cards and, and what have you. It's he's learnt when to stay on his feet and when not to dive in um, he's, he's learned not to let that red mist descend if he does pick up a booking and then get, go and get another daft one in five minutes later and I think that's a sign of real maturity and that, that's only going to make him a better player mm, Martin O'Neill used to call them lunges didn't he he used to always yeah. say he needs to stop these lunges and Gus Poyet's Mm. Some, done kick, doesn't what I, mean, is I don't want to talk about Caramon yeah, too what, much what is, what is we, we do this every week we're supposed to be going yeah. around all the players one by one but what, what, it's is, happen. what I do like about him is he will put 
a heavy challenge in from time to time when it's needed on certain players, mm. and you have to have you have to have that. Yeah, but um, it's decision making, isn't it? Yeah. It's knowing when to do it. I mean, yeah. like Vard, like when we were down at Leicester, Vardy was just niggling and kicking at them all game, and he he put in a potentially red card challenge on Catamore, two feet sliding out of control, clattered him, and about ten minutes later, Catamore, the ball was there to be won, and he took everything and. Mm. It, you know, and then there was all the fury about it because it's Lee Catmull. It's like, well, Vardy's done it five minutes early, and I think mm. that's a problem. That's going to follow him round. And yeah, it will. It will. You're right. A, that's a bit. Un, it's slightly unfair, mm. um, but because other players do it too. But you know, he's he's just awesome, isn't he? We all, we, all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we we love him so well. That's as good a summary as you're going to hear, I yeah. think, isn't it? Yeah. Seb Larson as well, Chris. A bit like John O'Shea. What I was saying to Damien before. I've been a critic of Larson, but I think. Again, and praise a manager for this. He's 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 found a role in the side that he, he he can really concentrate on, and he's benefited from that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the 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 kind of football hipster term for his role is. I just but call it's, it's the kind Jack of the, Russell the link really. between Catamol and the forward players, isn't he? He, could, he? he does all the work off the ball the same as Catamol does. He can, he? he can kind of do everything that's expected from a midfielder to a, a reasonable standard. You know, he's not particularly. He doesn't particularly excel in any area. I'm not saying he's he's an average player. I think he's a good player. You know what I mean? But he's he's just a kind of all round midfielder. And the fact that he's you know he's he's been raised as a as a, as a winger and then he's just moved inside. Yeah. Is you know it's remarkable, really. And in, and in his def- in his defence, when when he was being criticised by myself and others, as you say, he was a right winger. He was suddenly dropped into the middle of the park, and that was when we were playing very static and regimented four four two formations. And he he looked as bemused as the rest of us did at what he was, do- what he was doing there. And I think the fact that Gus employs three of them in there has made a big difference. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, I know he'll be moving on to Rodwell, but it was just interesting to see how those three actually operated, and you know, I've got no complaints. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Rodwell, so, but I'll, I'll wait until you go. No, we'll go. That's that's a perfect link there, Chris. Take it away. Right. Well, you know, I'm not a fan of Jack Rodwell at all. Like, I, I think since he's came in, he's been, he's been average at best, and I'm just really aggrieved that we've, I wouldn't say we wasted ten million. But we've, spent our, we've spent our budget on him. We've spent our budget on on a player that we didn't need. However, against Chelsea, he was decent. I won't say he was good, but I'll say he was decent. But he didn't need to be good because the players around him were excellent. And you know, if you, if you're going to keep him to bring him in against the better teams to have a, a better defensive mind around, then fair enough. But I don't think he's going to bring any goals to the side or, or create chances. I think still patient got, with Jack. You just got to give. It, I think in six months' time. I think mm. you've got to remember he's not alone, yeah. is he? He's a fight. It's a five-year deal, and uh-huh, yeah. you'd hope. I'm just not a patient person. That's all. <laughs> so one of these you know, short when you spend ten pound, what ten, is ten pound will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> when you spend ten million on a player and you need a creative midfield, what player, he's going to you know? do is he's going to do a Wickham, isn't he? He's going to be shopping for four yeah. years, yeah. and then his final year when he's got the contract power, he's going to have a good season. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's just the way it happens here, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Are you still patient with him? No, I mean, you just said that, Gareth. Yeah. But, uh, his, was, prefer- his yeah. performance that idea. That was decent, yeah. Just you know, diff- get a difficult game to play in. Someone coming back because of the con- concentration levels required. But yeah, he did. He did fine. And then Gomez, when he came on, did okay as well. Sort of s- slowed the game down a bit at times, which I'm not a big fan of. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, I wonder what people think about the substitutions as well, uh, Damien. I, I noticed there. Uh, I know that Gareth's not a fan of Gomez, and I noticed when I was reading uh, Chris Young's match ratings, he only got a six, and I, I thought him 
as well as Altador, who will come on now. I thought Gomez really helped helped us control the game and, 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 and turned our performance from sort of just coping defensively to actually looking the more threatening going forward. I thought he was a big part of that. I think the, I think the game opened up at that point, didn't it? Um, I'm not saying necessarily because of the substitutions. I think because Chelsea were, were going for it hammer and tongs, some of them were exploiting the space in behind. I think Gomez did play a part in that. But I, I have to say, I think Altidore was made a, a big difference, actually. Um, is, there hope, is there hope for him yet? Because that's the best... I've certain, certainly since the first when Dukanio first came in and, and he looked alright I think that's the best he's played since the derby since those goals yeah, sort of games, derby. yeah he played well in the derby too well, he's yeah. outstanding in that one at St James yes he was yeah, yeah. that's the best he's played yeah. since then I agree well I, I mean I saw him play for America against Ireland a couple of weeks back and he played really well at much the same way as he played um, on Saturday you know he, he pulled wide he ran at people he looked powerful and confident I think the thing is he's a big fish in the American team, and he's obviously he's not here for for obvious reasons. It's it's not quite worked for him, but there is something there. Uh, whether he's ever going to score the goals he should score, I don't know. But he's he's a big, strong, powerful lad, and when he runs at people, it's it it's difficult to defend against. He just he sometimes he he looks a bit ungainly, but you know he was much better. He was much mm. better, and what I was thinking, you know, as I'll hear from Gus later, he, you know, there is some. Doubts. He didn't say who, but you'd have to assume Fletcher would be one of them. But maybe he picked up a little knock because he went off after. Would it be fair to say Fletcher was possibly the only person who was maybe a six out of ten in the team? Well, he did. He did all right, but it's difficult when you're playing up front. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. Yeah, but, um, but Aladol made more of an impact. He did, and, and, I thought so. and that what is good about that is if if that is the case that Fletcher maybe might is out on on Wednesday. He can look at out the door and go well. I'm not. Wigan did, had a good game. And he knows that like, he can keep that shape, and maybe you'll think, right, outdoor looks confident, and I can give him a chance to build on that 25 minutes, and and I can put him in from the start, knowing that he's, he's he looks confident, he's going to do a job, and he can feel f- positive about the contribution that he's made, um, and, and that that's a positive thing as well. If if Fletcher is out, because as I said, he did mention about Knox, and I, I don't know, maybe that that might be one of them. Couple of minutes on Adam Johnson, Connor Wickham. Any takers? <laughs> Everybody's looking about. Well, I was I was hoping somebody had such an Johnson, overwhelming uh, opinion yeah. on uh, Johnson. Was, uh, Johnson was really good in the second half, particularly picking, when he started picking up spaces, and uh, <coughs> he was unlucky with that effort, which was so close that match that they deemed it never to exist. <laughs> along with out the doors, you get shot. used to that, though, don't you? I know, but that was ridiculous. It's one of two of the best efforts in the game. I was like, no, they didn't. That, man. We'll move on from that. Um, yeah, so Johnson. The best he's been in a while, I would say. So. Is, it, is, it, is the argument, Damien, that Johnson picks which games to put those performances in? I think it is. I don't think any 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 player consciously would do that. Not consciously, perhaps. No. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is he better suited against some teams? You know, I mean, certainly in that second half, as I, as I said, the last twenty, the game did open up, which which suits him when you know he can get the ball to feet and, and get defenders turned. Um, um, I don't know. He's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? I mean, there's no doubt the kid's got talent. Again, as a as a teenager at Middlesbrough, I think Middlesbrough rated him more highly than Stuart Downing at the time when the two of them were coming through. They thought he would go on to have the the better career. Um, and there's, there's obviously talent there. There's ability there, but sometimes it just doesn't quite click for him, does it? And Connor Wickham finally, Chris. I thought he was better. 
he was certainly more useful. I he well. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, he in the, in the in the latter stages, he had probably our better chances at goal as he's well. He's another one. Sometimes you just wonder how interested he is, and he's another one. Whether it was a game, whether it was the occasion, and a big like, a give big game live on Sky. He, he was better against Leicester. I mean, was, I'm not yeah. his biggest fan, but he he has he has done better in recent weeks. A bit mm. more bit more drive mm. yeah and you know not weak mm. I, I just thought he, no, it's no secret that he would rather play through the middle and he's, he's probably most effective as a central striker but I thought for the first time he qu- he embraced that position and not many people make Ivanovic <coughs> look that nervous and I thought I thought he played really well on uh, on Saturday c- cut inside a couple of times hit a couple of good balls I thought it was one of his better games for Sunderland he just needs so. it against it's a decision making I mean it was less Obvious, but he just you know some of the runs he makes. He had less time to make the wrong yeah, decisions, though, for, didn't he? For, against for a good defence like Chelsea, some of the runs he makes is a four like forward aren't like intelligent centre forward runs, even from a wide position. Like some of the stuff he does, he always wants to go in towards goal. And sometimes when you've got one up front, you don't want someone running from a wide position towards the goal because hmm. because you're closing off you're closing off your opportunity. So all all you get is the opportunity. You can only cut inside and shoot. So things like that. So he needs to go to the line and look for somebody coming in rather than trying to score, cutting inside and shooting from thirty-five yards. Which is, you know, I mean, just a bit ridiculous sometimes. But he was generally a lot better, and he should be credited for that. Thumbs. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For each of the players then. Okay, when we come back, we're going to be talking to David Mooney from the Blue Moon podcast about Man City. We're joined by David Mooney now from the Blue Moon Podcast. Nice to have you on, David, again. Good to speak to you. First of all, before we get into the game, David, I can't remember if it was yourself or a colleague of yours, perhaps, who was telling us in the summer that Costel, Costel Pantilimon wouldn't be a great signing. Was it you? Um, I, I'm not sure if it was me or not. I, I have my reservations about him, but I didn't think he was a terrible goalkeeper. Right, okay. Um, I think it must have been I, a colleague of yours because we were getting the information that he was a terrible goalkeeper. And <laughs> to be fair, apart from his first League Cup game, he's, he's looked anything but that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I think to be fair to him, he didn't really have much of a chance at City in uh, in behind Joe Hart. Um, but for the games that he came in last season, he did all right. He, he looked, 
he didn't look brilliant in the air um, and looked a bit ropey getting down. You know, when, when the shot was close to him but low down, he looked pretty uh, pretty cumbersome getting down. But I suppose, you know, for someone who's, what, six foot eight or whatever, <laughs> um, it's uh, you can kind of understand that. Um, oh, uh, overall, I'd say he was probably a comfortable Premier League goalkeeper. I don't, I don't think he was uh, really um, a huge... Challenge, challenger for Joe Hart for the uh, for the shirt. So I think that's that's pretty much why uh, why City were looking to get rid over the summer. Um, in terms of, of whether he could be a number one at a Premier League club, uh, we'd said on the podcast between us a few times that we felt that um, kind of elsewhere in the Premier League for a team that probably wasn't challenging for the title, he'd be all right. But uh, you know, I, I'm kind of pleased to see him getting some games because he, he kind of he, he's kind of a little bit of a cult hero at City. Mm, well, we certainly won't be challenging for the title anytime soon, so I think he's found the right <laughs> team. Um, how do you feel as a Man City fan about the Sunderland game? Because we uh, beat, you, beat you four years in a row, Peter, 1-0. Do you think that has any bearing whatsoever? Um, yes and no. I mean, no, it shouldn't have any bearing whatsoever, but I think it, I, I think psychologically a lot of the players that are going there will be going thinking, oh, it's there again. We've lost there last year with this happened and the year before this happened. And it always seems to be... Um, a game where City dominate possession but just cannot find a way to, to, to break you down. And then you either hit us on the break or we make a sloppy error and give away a penalty or something daft like that. And it always it's either in the very last seconds of the game where you win it or you score really early on and we give you something to hang on to and then never be able to, to, to get through and you just kind of like comfortably see it out. So I, I think psychologically there must be something in the heads of the players now that will make sure that Wednesday night they're not going to be looking forward to it. Mm, and of course, you, you just mentioned there the way we defended. Did you did you watch the game against Chelsea? Obviously, that they're going to be your main uh, rivals this season. So, did you watch that game? Uh, I did, and I think City will be damn fools if they don't learn from it because you you pretty much showed us what you're going to do against us. And yeah, um, it's going to be a carbon copy. You would have thought, wouldn't you? Yeah, and and you know, if, if City fall for it again this year, then it's you know we've only got ourselves to blame, really. It's, if you can come, if you can pull off a nil nil or a, another one nil win, then you know it's it's credit to you because. You know, year after year, you've defended well there, and you know we've we've. It's as if we've turned up and thought, well, we're we're going to roll it, we're going to roll them over, and then you've kind of gone, well, no, you you have to come and earn the points, and we've just not done that. Well, you're fresh in the side up, do you think? Because you've just you played Champions League, and then you play you a very very impressive result at Southampton on Sunday. But you know, you you have a big squad. You would have thought the manager would want to use them all. At the same time, you don't want to break momentum up. Uh, yeah, but I, I think the the biggest problem that we'll have is um, currently Edin Dzeko's injured, um, so it kind of limits the the striking options because Jovetic has been playing uh, a little bit deeper, dropping in into the midfield, um, and half the defence is either injured or suspended. So it's um, it's gonna, it's going to be a bit uh, bit patched up for Wednesday, and I, I really. I, I'm I'm really worried about the the centre half pairing. We'll have we'll have Demi Kalis, who really has come on since his uh, since his time, you know, at the start of last season when he looked a bit ropey. Uh, Mangal is suspended. Uh, company looks as if he's going to be injured, um, and that kind of leaves us with Nastasic, who has been you know nowhere near the first team this year for reasons that you know a lot of us fans can't seem to, to fathom. Um, and then Dedrick Boyata, who, who as far as I can tell only got a new contract in the summer because he fills the one spot in the Champions League squad where you have to have somebody come through your own academy. Um, he's certainly not of the standard that you would expect of a Premier League player. So the very fact that he could be suddenly thrown in to start against a team where we struggle year on year, it really does worry me. OK, well, we'll quickly hear from Gus Poyet now on the potential changes in the Sunderland team. I think, I think we'll go... I couldn't make the last change because we had a couple of players with a couple of 
completed problems. I'm not going to give too much information away, but that could be a, an option, you know, to give a rest. They are, they are tough, tough games, you know. So probably, you know, we need to be careful and make sure that we put a fit team up in, out in there and, and go and play the best we can. Okay, just to further elaborate on what we were talking about before David came on there, Gareth. Jose Alador unsettled the Chelsea back four when he came on. Now, it, it seems remarkable that <laughs> just a week after we were all sort of dismissing his, his, his future at Sunderland altogether, that we're now possibly suggesting he starts this game. Because, as David said, Man City going to have two uh, potentially a new partnership at the back there. Yeah, and I would say, I know David's saying about you know the, the blueprint for the, for the game, and I think for that type of game ordinarily, the blueprint is what we did against Chelsea and what we've done to Man City before. The issue you've got is can the players maintain that level of intensity and concentration yeah. in that system three days it's later? It's going to be tough physically and psychologically. So, and, and with Liverpool coming on, on Saturday, I know Liverpool nah, have been, yeah. <laughs> <Liverpool's laughs> been out of form, but at the same time, you know, you've got that issue. So it'll be interesting to see maybe if he plays a little bit more open or is he going to do the same thing. Altador might give you stretch it a bit more I mean I know you've got to have the ball to try and stretch your team because he's got to get turn and get running in behind those centre and for the first 20 minutes we aren't going to have the ball are we probably not but you'd, I mean you don't know um, I think you know Chelsea this season are slightly better than Manchester City this season although last season Man City were equally better than, than Chelsea so it, it's a different beast you know they're still a class team so It'll be interesting to see if he does try and do the same thing, how he'll change the team to accommodate Do you think he that. will change the team, David? Because you've just said there that there will be fools not to learn from the Chelsea game, not to learn from the previous games against Manchester City. So you would have thought an obvious tactic would be to come here and say, OK, let's, let, let's, let Sunderland have the ball, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the, the weird thing with City is this season is we've, we've kind of... we struggled to... to once, once we've had control of the game, if we haven't taken any chances in that in that period, and then control of the game has been lost to the other team, we've we've really struggled in getting back into it. Um, the exception for that would be Southampton at the weekend, where um, we were we, we completely battered them for the first ten fifteen minutes. They found a, a little bit more possession. They got a bit uh, got back into it again. Then the second half, we came out and we just we just steamrolled steamrolled them. Um, I think in terms of, of how Pellegrini will set up. Um, the the actual problem City have had with the midfield this year is has kind of it's transcended all of his systems. He, he's been he's been quite heavily criticised for sticking with his four four two formation um, and just kind of saying and we don't care whether the opposition are going to try and dominate possession or whether they're going to sit back and let us have it. Um, we we play four four two. That's our thing. And we were we've been overrunning the midfield all the time. And then we went to QPR and where a team where you knew they were going to press us real and put us under pressure. And he knew that as well. He changed it to a four-five-one, and still they couldn't they couldn't seem to get the ball in the midfield. So I think it's I, th- I think it would be it'd be a game where I'd like to see Frank Lampard start and just somebody who is quite you know someone who's intelligent on the ball and able to to deal with that pressure um, because Yaya Toure has just been completely out of form this season. He's starting to find his feet a bit. Uh, the same for Fernandinho. Fernandinho looked like he was still shell shocked from when uh, Germany put six, uh, seven past Brazil in the World Cup. Um, so I think it's it, it's starting to kind of come together. Um, whether our traditional bogey team in you know going away at Sunderland, whether that's come a, a, a few weeks too soon for us getting his confidence back, I don't know. Um, I, I would like to see 
Pellegrini change it a little bit from from uh, from weekend in terms of, of the midfield. I'd like to see maybe Fernando in there as well, just to got a bit of bite in the midfield because you've uh, you've got Catamol who has been, you know, for, from the games that I've seen this season has been just a, a phenomenal turnaround in what I expected from him. I, I just expected him to go out there and kick things, and he's just not been like that at all. Mm. Damien. I'm not hoping the Frank Lombard players, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> Davis just mentioned there that Pellegrini gets a lot of criticism for playing 4-4-2, rigid setup, regardless of what the opposition is going to do. I, I will be one from a neutral a football fan who would look and criticise him for that personally. And with somebody like Frank Lombard in your team, you go three in midfield, a goal threat like that, I really don't want to see that, that him line up like that. I do hope they, they stick with the 4-4-2. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sort of a bit of the school that if it works for you, do it. You know, don't worry about the opposition, but you have to be a very good team to be able to do that. And, and Man City are a very good team. Oh, that's undoubtedly why they yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But I, 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 I do, I take your point about Lampard. I mean, I, I, amidst all the, the, the Gerrard-Lampard debate over the years for England, I would have always gone for Steven Gerrard above Frank Lampard. But I think in the last two years, Lampard has just maintained... You know what he's done for fifteen years, and and Gerard sort of gone back, and I think he's he's as dangerous mm. now as he's ever been. I mean, the the issue is we, we we're talking about defending round, you know, the eighteen yard area and twenty mm. twenty five yards from goal and stuff, and Chelsea couldn't break us down. Historically, Man City haven't been able to break mm. us down. Frank Lampard would, you know. He gets a ball 20 yards out, it's almost like a half yeah, chance. It is, absolutely. And I think the other thing as well, I mean, people talk about Diego Costa, who has, has been brilliant this season, and I thought Sunderland marked him very well. I think Sergio Aguero is a, mm. a different kettle of fish. I think, he's, uh, uh, for me, he's, he's the best striker in the world at the moment. This is the best the, he's the playing. Is in. Yeah, this is the best he's playing for you, David, because, I mean, he's always been a, a terrific player, and I don't know if it was just because it was more attention on Luis Suarez last season, but Aguero seems to have kicked on even further this year. I think Aguero's biggest thing this year, um, touching every single piece of wood possible, uh, is he stayed fit. Um, he, ever since he's joined City, he's been in the games where he's been fully fit. He's averaging better than a goal a game, um, and it's just it's a, it's a phenomenal strike record for somebody who generally misses half the season injured because he's you know he's he's just it's like his legs are made of glass. They just <laughs> they, they, they fall apart at any at any given opportunity. He's had at the moment one of the longest runs he's had in uh, in City's team, and you know he's really benefiting from it. In, uh, frankly, in the whole month of November, the very the very fact that we are still in with contention of getting out of the Champions League group, that we've been doing our best to uh, to, to completely mess up, and that we're still within touching distance to Chelsea, it's largely down to him and him alone, really. Um, the rest of the team has been kind of hit and miss. Uh, he's been a constant in, you know, getting the ball on the edge of the box. Don't give him any support whatsoever, and somehow he still finds a way to put it in the net once or twice. So I'd, I'd agree. I think he is certainly one of the best, if not the best, in the world right now. Um, and I think the, the attention he's getting is partly because he's been able to get a bit of a run in. So his, his goal-scoring record looks even more impressive than it has done in uh, in previous years. Okay, Chris Thompson, have. The previous results against Man City and the performance against Chelsea almost lured us into a false sense of security about this game where we're feeling quietly confident about it now almost and in theory we should have no chance. Well I certainly hope not. Um, these things come to an end. you know. Um, people don't stay bogey teams forever. We've had a few bogey teams over the years who have since not become bogey, bogey teams and I hope this isn't the time that we stop becoming Man City's bogey team but I don't know it's it's all going to come down to the night I mean the fact we played Chelsea at the weekend it's it's you know it's it's good and bad because we're, it's a good preparation for Man City but then you know it's it's hard playing three 
three tough games in a week, and this will be the second of those games. And interesting to see if people like Quates come in because you've got two aging centre halves, perhaps. Quates can't play against Liverpool the weekend, can he? No, he can't. But still, I wouldn't fancy him. No, I wouldn't either. But it's it's a question down the tunnel after the game. Quates walked past. DME, he's what? a man mountain. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen a bloke as big as him in my life. What about Pantelimon? Yeah, he's big. No, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's, wide he's as, taller. He's as wide as he's tall. I can't <laughs> he is, he's, he's massive. Um, and you won't, like, you think if you were a centre forward playing against him, you think you wonder why he hasn't got on because, he, you know, he, he should be bullying bullying people. I'd be interested to see if he starts a game, right? We'll get a quick prediction from everybody before we move on. David, you give us yours first. Be as honest as you like. Um, what I would like to see happen and what I think is if City are going to win then I think it's most likely that City will win by the odd goal I think it will be probably 1-0 um, but you know I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if you did as 1-0 again yourselves because it just it just seems to be the way it is I mean even you know a few years ago Mancini commented oh we're not coming back here next season because it's the same old story <laughs> um, so I you know honestly my head says uh, that, that surely City will end that, that hoodoo this year and it will be a comfortable, you know, one, two, three, nil win. Um, but you know, in the back of my mind, I'm all, it's always there. Sunderland one nil. So I'll say one nil, but you know, not commit to which side. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth, I'm going to say just Man City because I think we'll have to play slightly more open um, because I don't feel as though they can they can approach the game the same way this time because it's not in isolation. It's sandwiched between those two difficult games and if he's going to pick one to go maybe a bit more defensive away for a moment Liverpool might be the one so this one I think it might be a bit more open um, no, just that constant but yeah, I, th- yeah. I feel as though that would be a mistake because I don't how can you concentrate and play with that intensity mm. in that well, in look, those I, areas maybe again perhaps you won't at Liverpool because I don't maybe either or um, you, you know Either one, I think he's going to be a bit more open. And if he plays a bit more open, I, d- I don't know. I just feel as though City will just just nick it because they're a good because right. they're a okay. good side. Okay, okay, you traitor, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say just City, but I think we'll beat Liverpool. So you know, I'm not quite as bad as Gareth, but <laughs> I do think City will will, uh, will end the the bogey team status this year. Damien, well, I mean, logic does suggest that City will end that hoodoo, but. I'm um, normally the negative one there. Yeah. Come I'll, on, I'll, I'll put my two shillings on a third successive nil now. I think it'll be one-one. Um, I was thinking City would share it, but I think it'll be one-one. And I will tell you what, Frank Lampard will definitely score. I'm telling you now. <laughs> well, who's going to who's going to score for us? So remember, we have Big to Jaws actually score. There you go. Oh, right, okay. Well, there we go. Then. <laughs> I won't be putting money on it. Okay, question of the week is back. Now, Sobs was in last week to tell us about his new book, uh, The Greatest Escape, is it, Chris? Yep. You know more about it than me, even though Sobs explained it all last week. And I have a copy here to give away as the prize. That's where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read it. It's it's a really good book, actually. It's uh, it's only a fiver from the ELS shop, mm. which is cheap for a book, really. Christmas you, stocking filler. You could call it stocking filler, but I think that's kind of like a little bit of a, a backhanded insult, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> oh, stocking filler. Like it's a really good, it's, it's a good toilet book. You know? book. <laughs> great, that's, that's you know what? It is a good toilet book. That's, I don't know if that's more insulting than no, stocking no, filler. No, you're not know, with stocking serious filler. Serious reading 
for the toys, but no, it's, it's a, great. A fiver, it's, it's a relatively for a small fiver, book. It's great. Yeah, I mean, that's double the price of our fanzine, and it's like much more value for money. Mm. I'm not saying don't buy the fanzine. Mm. That, I should, okay, I'll just stop there. <laughs> I'll just, good it's a great book. It's a great book. Please buy so it. So if you do buy the fanzine, stop buying that and buy the book. I think there's <laughs> a you, message there. Did you edit it? Oh, I love Supreme. Did you edit it? The book? I proofread it. You proofread it, did yeah, you? But mm, I'm, I'm obviously not in charge of the PR because, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, move on. Right, Gareth, um, do you want to take? Yeah. So the me? question of the week. So the, the winner of this will win a book, and the question was slightly on the theme of, of the book is what was your moment of last season? It was points for originality. So obviously, if you just say something like when we beat Newcastle three 0 that's not going to win. Use your imagination. Mm, um, yeah, DM and Chris, you listen to these answers because we'll be coming to you to judge. The winner, yeah. right? So, uh, Michael m- at Michael Stelling said, um, falling two rows ahead in the mayhem when Fabio scored against the Mags. And sorry for mentioning his name, mm. and their tears of joy when Manona saved the penalty to send us to Wembley. Um, Neil Smile Sisyphus, I think I've said that right. I hope that's not offensive <laughs> in any language. Uh, the pitch invader that changed our game in our favour against Chelsea in the cup quarter final that's a mm, good one although we, wouldn't, we don't condone pitch invasions the atmosphere was flat wasn't it and that yeah, seemed to lift, lift did, everybody yeah. didn't it thanks it to that Raji whoever you are <laughs> um, Paul Jakes uh, at Angry Paul 83 uh, 4.30 in the morning drinking with a couple of Cockney Man United fans after beating them to the, get to the cup final there's only Cockney Man United fans isn't there I saw Paul, um, I saw Paul that night at a couple of beers uh, right. <laughs> name drop he can't win now you've ruined that people think it's fixed uh, Gary Sinclair uh, at Gary Sinclair 681 uh, Paolo's press conference after Palace away accusing G of bottling a diving header uh, Liam Waite at Waite Journal I don't know if he is a journalist uh, Tarek goes knee sliding into the Old Trafford corner flag giving it the big one after Bardsley's semi-final goal majestic Algie Henderson at Algie Hendo said uh, getting my Sunderland mug out of hiding hit it in disgust after West Brom but started using it again once Gus was in uh, Neil at the White Cafu said speaking of Speaking to Wearside pub club legend Dave the Rave, the full Iron versus Palace, um, told me lads would stop up, and we did. The prophet Dave the Rave. Dave the Rave. Um, Tommy Boyd, at Tommy Boyd 97, uh, the Gingy Traitor. Gingy, maybe that's what. I think he's Scottish, so maybe they call him a, a, gin, a Gingy in, in Scotland. So the Gingy Traitor scoring against Cardiff in the last minute. Big Mordia Keaton and Rebege in and around the penalty area. Michael Briggs at MF Briggs when Jack Arini scored in the League Cup after De Canio was sacked all the team came together and celebrated and the cup run began Stephen Newell at Stephen Juan 10 uh, the contrast to Mourinho's expression from 1-0 to 2-1 down <laughs> um, David Majorum he did this over three tweets if you're going to do it over three tweets I might I might disqualify things in future just to let you know um, send an email if you want like somebody else has at Mag and Marge that is and walking out of the hospital ward Sunderland Royal a few hours after my little girl was born and after I found out we won at Old Trafford I was high as a kite then a lad came out from the next room with a Man United top on my <laughs> smile was as wide as the way um, at Tom Wilcock 8 um, the result was crap but Captain Wall's goal versus Spurs was surreal I'm, ru- I'm ruling that out because the result was crap yeah. and then <laughs> this was from um, Michael yourself. this was from Michael Paul he sent an email um, he said probably the best and worst season we're living memory including the Merlangus escape Old Trafford semi-final giant killing and the two derby wins after being written off as relegated six games into the season the highlight for me was the Wembley weekend not just the match which saw the team and notably cats lauded but mainly for the credit they brought our fans from drinking Covent Garden dry emptying Tesco sweet shells being told by Ricky Hatton that we're a proper football club and singing our hearts out in the capital all weekend we really put the word out about Sunderland 
so much so that the lads I work with in London who know nothing about football knew all about us by Monday. Not even phase three could spoil that weekend. <laughs> so that was a long answer. Bit, See, of, a, bit of a tea joke on that one on the end. So they they are the answers. Do you have a preference? I, th- I like I like the uh, the baby one and the last the one to be honest. I thought they were the, the two that kept my attention. Yeah, I think Marjoram's probably wins it for me. Like, I'm happy. Uh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. David, after listening to the podcast for about two years, <laughs> you've finally won <laughs> question of the week. <laughs> no doubt you'll be dancing on your dishwasher tonight. Um, so yeah. Well done! You've won a copy of the Greatest Escape, and if you haven't won, well, uh, head over to the LS shop. The person who mentioned Dave the Rave needs commending. Just it for does. That. It was a good effort. I enjoyed that. You can one have a free. You there. can have a free badge from the LS shop for mentioning Dave. You, you would post right. that out. Right. Sort of oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not posting it. He can come in. Like, I'm not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So if you Neil, if you're listening, just go in and ask for Chris Thompson. You can have a free badge, which is probably worth about fifty pence. It is. Yeah. So well done. <laughs> well done. Um, on the subject, actually, of the e- the gentleman who sent the email, Michael Paul, it was, um, you can send us an e- emails if you want stuff mentioned on the pod or if you've got any correspondence or stories or anything like that you want to send in. Um, just It's contact at wisemensay.co.uk. Um, so if you ever fancy doing that, we'd be more than welcome to hear from you. We've had a few American listeners actually email us in the past, which is strange. Um, but welcomed. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that in a negative way. Good save. Obviously, I'm not doing the PR for uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Other things, things that are happening. Firstly, the FSF Awards tonight. Um, by the time you listen to this, a Love Supreme might have won something. Who knows? Martin's down there, so. He is, right, in and around. We, the got, knocked, around. we got knocked out in the qualification rounds for the podcast. Yeah. Well, I voted for you. Like, they need, a, re- they need a reassess how they do these things, in my opinion. Too, yeah. But anyway, I'm not bitter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that might be happening. Also, Chris Waters, the uh, support liaison at Sunderland, who does a terrific job, is also nominated for SLO um, of the year. So congratulations to him, and hopefully he'll, he'll come away with that as well. A double victory for Sunderland um, would be nice. Um, but on the subject of the FSF, um, currently, um, the, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're aware, people who listen about the, the Derby to be, to be Proud of initiative which was launched last year on the back of the failed bubble trip um, after supporters came together from both sides and uh, and stopped that from happening um, and as, as a continuation of that this year and I think a few of the Newcastle fans on their sides at True Faith and stuff, some of their fans here want to show a bit of appreciation to some of the Sunderland fans as well for the, the, the strength they showed in adversity with the, the MH17 situation so um, there's an event taking place on the 9th of December at the Bridge Hotel in Newcastle. Um, it's a Derby to Proud of event by the FSF, and it's sports coming together just to have a night there, um, just to you know reinforce the fact that all footballers, aren't, all football fans, aren't idiots. You know, <laughs> we you know we can sit in the same room and have a few drinks and enjoy the same things. And nobody's trying to make this Derby a nice friendly exactly, one. Right? Exactly. A lot of people are sort of misinterpreting and thinking we're trying to make it like Liverpool Evan, and that's that's not true. That's, that's not, not true that's at all. Good. It's just basically. <laughs> You know, we don't want a bubble trip situation to occur again. We don't want to have to be taking time off work and people giving up their time and effort uh, to try and change that. And Nobody's asking you to go drinking with Newcastle fans yeah, on the like, day of yeah. the game. No, it's not. There's <laughs> not going to be an avenues of applause as was mooted and seems to have circulated the internet. Somebody's taking a photo of something at an event that they shouldn't have really put out there, and this is like spread like wildfire. And now apparently this is what is happening. That is not happening. Um, basically, the the event is just to reinforce the fact that. You know, <clears throat> you know. Monday to Friday, we all go to work. We all do this. You know, we're all we work together. Some of the Newcastle fans, whatever. Just get on with it. 
and uh, on the day of the derby it is a bit spicier and the week before and the week after depending if you've won or lost um you know you it's it, you know nobody wants to lose that um but this is all about you know celebrating the you know the fact that football supporters are normal so if you'd like to come to that event um i think the comedian gavin webster might be doing a turn and i think total sport uh, the bbc program might even go out from there um beforehand there are limited spaces available for Sunderland supporters if you want to come through so you can either you could email us contact at wisemensay.co.uk or you can go on the FSF website where the information about the event is on there and there's an email address if you'd wish to uh, to attend and I'm sure it'll be you know I'm involved with the FSF and there's you know a few of us going down and it'll be you know just a load of good lads it'll be good crack so if you fancy it get yourself along speaking of good crack and good lads unlimited tickets unlimited tickets um, the Wiseman said live podcast is taking place a week today um, and you should go if you haven't got a ticket <laughs> already go on to the LS website and buy one and go to our website wisemansay.co.uk it's on there if you want to buy tickets get yourself um, there <coughs> next Monday they, they always go down really well um, the panel uh, it's Gary Bennett uh, we've made his Wiseman say debut um, who else James Hunter and uh, Martin McFadden uh, potential <laughs> possible Editor-in-chief FSF Fanzine mm. of the Year Award and, and winner. Anyways, they yeah. are they are a bit different as well. They, they aren't just like the normal podcast. In case you haven't listened before, we go on the first half will be like that. We will be talking about it will be after the Liverpool game, won't it? So we will be talking about the Liverpool game, but then we'll have a summary of the season so far because we're not far from the halfway mark. Just discuss how things are going generally, new signings and things like that. And also, we will have a Q and A for the last section where you will be able to write your questions down put it to the panel so you will be able to ask Gary Bennett about sort of incidents from his son playing career and stuff so you are getting a little bit more than just a normal podcast yeah. like you, we wouldn't expect you to come here and watch us record this in the yeah. studio and charge you four quid for it you are getting a little bit more than yeah. that it's a bargain of four quid as well and plus you can have a drink after yeah, be, yeah. banter yeah, it's in the, no. at very least it's in the Duncow and that's just been done out so yeah, just yeah. I mentioned that, that yeah. where it is yeah it's at the Duncow seven o'clock doors so I don't know what time we'll kick off, probably a quarter eight or something yeah. like that. Um, so get yourself along. Um, they say they always go down really well. I think sometimes people turn up not knowing what to expect. Um, but yeah, it's just a you know, it's just a good night talking about football. I just that caught one of those answers that just caught my eye actually, which I think I prefer. But it's too late now. It's too late. I'm no, not going to do that here, David. Imagine that took it off. Like a penalty rescinded. It's got Stevens when, off to speak uh, the linesman. When Jack Arini scored the League Cup against Birmingham against Peterborough, Peterborough, that was a defining. You know, that was an iconic yeah, was moment nice when all the players celebrated like that. Never Ball mind. Well. Too late. Sorry, who was that? Who said that? Um, who was it? It was Michael Briggs. Sorry, Michael. Michael. Briggs. If I was paying more attention, I might have heard. Uh, I'm just going to pick your corner a little yeah, bit. Liam Wade, the Tarragona <laughs> side in the old traffic corner, flad. Unlucky. <laughs> you haven't won. Like, who else hasn't won? Yeah. We go through with everyone, yeah. just disappoint them. Okay, well, we, Gareth and I will be back on Thursday with Michael Proctor for the Sun FM into the light show but this has been the Wise Men's Safe Podcast in association with Love Supreme don't forget to go and buy your live pod ticket there's only a few left go and do it thanks for listening over and out 